Rico Nasty and Slow Tie teaming up with Take a Day Trip on that one. Lighthouse is the name to it. Before it, you heard a track uh, by Green Tea Pang called Sang Sane and Nico from Ur- Nikki from Urko Texan saying, Thick. I love Green Tea Pang so much. I saw this live on the interwebs and I've been waiting for this to be released since. She is a goddess. Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner. Featuring Jack and Andre. (laughs) Film Lords, my beloved Film Lords, welcome back, Jen. After some time in Adelaide, it is so good to see your face again. It's so nice to be back. You took a hiatus. (laughs) I took a hiatus, but it wasn't a holiday. I had to help my mum move her whole house. It was, I wish I could have been here. Onj, it's been beautiful looking at your face every Monday. Oh my god, since... I've been having the best five weeks of my I'm just joking, Jen. I've missed you. Yeah, it's fine. We've broken up now. <laughs> so is it movie season right now? It, it is. It kinda is. Is it, it a good movie season? It feels like it is and it feels like it isn't. It feels like we're entering a period of uncertainty and I think it's making making us make weird choices. Interesting take. Well, we're going to get into that with two reviews. Have a look at uh, the new ScarJo one. But uh, first, I want to... <laughs> you tried to whisper that. <laughs> but first, I want to I want to take a, take a gander and um, talk about the giveaway that we're doing today. There's a new film series coming to Sydney called Spotlight on Asia, and we want to send one lucky FBI supporter along to see a film. Can you tell us a little bit about this movie? Sure, yeah. So the film is Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, and it's going to be part of the Spotlight on Asia series. It's at Event Cinemas, George Street, so it's not an underground quiet thing. This is a big, huge cinema experience, and it's directed by Paul Schrader, even bigger, huge American filmmaker who wrote Taxi Driver, we all know that film from film school. And The Canyon, starring Lindsay Lohan, which with we, James Dean, the porn star. Which we all know from Jen's search history. And it's 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 been banned in Japan, so what else what else do you need to convince you? I would love to know why it's been banned. Should we get into that when we chat to William, who's coming in to present the film? Well, I, I think that ask him. could be our first question. Okay, so in the meantime, we want to hear from you. What banned movies have you seen? Shaz in Gladesville says, I remember watching the infamous Pink Flamingos and gagging at the final divine dog poo eating scene. Ah, scarred for life. But then I understood what all the controversy was about. Yes, Pink Flamingos, fantastic banned film. A lot of scarring scenes in that for me at least yeah <laughs> text in if you've ever been dared to eat dog shit and gone through with it i never saw bridget jones diary 2 because i lived in thailand for a bit and that movie was banned in thailand was it yeah because there's a scene in the film where i think bridget jones goes to prison in thailand because yeah. she takes magic mushrooms or she yeah. has no she's some her boyfriend stashes coke in her suitcase is that right yeah it's a it's a kind of like ugh. yeah cringy 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 and then she kind of teaches everyone madonna what have you seen that you like that is yeah. banned jen well, honestly, I was banned by my mum from watching The Simpsons when I was young. Whoa. And I was thinking, like, has anyone been banned from something that's just, like, absolutely outrageous that they were banned from? Sorry, mum's really getting dragged today. And I just want to say, mum, if you're listening, I love you. What have you seen that's banned? Uh, what has your experience been with banned films? Could be a YouTube video. Maybe you went and stalked your ex's Instagram and saw a video on there that, you know, you probably shouldn't have looked at. Text in and you could be heading along to Mishima. A, a life in four stories. Four chapters. Four chapters. 0409-945-945 is the text line. Movie news.
Okay, what's happening with movie news? Okay, so we're going to take it to local, but also to global, which is the local and global. LA-based filmmaker Kate Shortland, who is Australian, based in Sydney previously and is now making Marvel films, has just dropped the trailer for Black Widow, which is ScarJo's instalment of the Marvel series. I'm sorry, I don't know any details about Marvel. I'm just going off information. But the trailer for Black Widow has dropped. Let's take a listen. So what are you going to do? I've lived a lot of lives, but I'm done running from my past. I know you're out there. I know you know I'm out here. So we're going to talk like grown-ups? Is that what we are? Okay, so as we can hear there, lots of... Uh, <laughs> lots of kicking and punching. Kicking and banging and crashing. Looks a little bit like, um, oh, what's it called? Killing Eve. Killing Eve. Yeah, it Thank does, you. doesn't it? It's a bit Killing Eve meets Denise Villeneuve, and I'll let you listeners look those people up. <laughs> it stars Florence Pugh, who just did Midsommar, and also Rachel... Rice, <gasps> your favourite, your mum. Huh? Yeah, and also the guy from Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of weird kind of nobodies in this big Marvel film, is my opinion. Which I think is kind of Kate Shorten's aesthetic. Yeah. You know, taking some nobodies and... And making them experience really visceral pain and trauma. So we talk- it's a little bit Berlin Syndrome. She did that film about um, Teresa Palmer who gets locked in an apartment and has to get out of it. And I think one thing that we said yesterday that she was maybe going to bring to a Marvel movie is like, you know, cutting of Achilles heels and broken wrists and like fingernails peeled back and like really specific horrible mm. pain rather yeah. than just like big explosions. Mm. Mm. Love it. Can we uh, get a little update on what happened at the Actor Awards? Now, this is Australia's Oscar Awards. It happens over a few nights rather than one big grand red carpet event. Who won? What happened? Was there any drama, any tea? Well, you might not have heard about it because they kind of slipped away this year because they decided to actually give the award to a good film, The Nightingale. Um, and so no one's really talking about it. Yeah. Congratulations, Jennifer Kent. Congratulations, Jennifer Kent. Um, they won Best Actress, Best Screenplay. Best Film. Best Film, um, Best Direction. and she's also the f- I think she's the first female director to win the top three awards. Not just win, but clean up. Oh, she swept. Oh, she uh... fully swept. And she didn't even go. She actually let Uncle Jim Everett select, um, receive the awards, who yeah. was the elder who consulted on the project and so he got up and and he definitely didn't he definitely didn't speak glowingly about how great the film is he was he mentioned in his speech how hard it was to make it and how devastating it was to make but how it was an important story to be told the australian dream won best documentary and deb melman took best actress in a tv series for total control i love that absolutely love that Brad, are you surprised that you don't know about this? Like, the news wasn't covering the Actor Awards, and I'm sure it's because of The Nightingale won and it was a controversial film. You can get your movie news right here on a Monday at 10.10 with Jen and Andre, our film lords, who are giving you two reviews right after this song from Milan Ring on FBI 94.5. Language warning. Say to me, you're an FBI 94.5. This is mornings. Movies, movies, movies on the text line. Simon in Belmore saying the great rock and roll swindle, the Sex Pistols movie, was the best band movie and still is the best band movie of all time. Oh, he interpreted it as band, like music band, as opposed to like <laughs> censored band. I like it. I, <laughs> I do like, like that. that interpretation. That's cute. Uh, Stephen in Bondi, I snuck into the R version of Saturday Night Fever in the 70s. Another musical band movie. <laughs> okay, let's get into this. One. No, no, no. Two reviews. Two reviews. Give me more reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. If you do 
want to win a double pass to Mishima Life in Four Chapters. We're chatting with the film's distributor and giving away that double pass at the end of Movies, Movies, Movies. So keep your banned film texts coming in on 0409 945 945. Which film lord will be going first for two reviews? I'll be going first today. And reviewing? Uh, Marriage Story. Let's have a listen to the trailer. Getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. Gina! Charlie Bird! <laughs> Mom! <laughs> Mom! What? It's not as simple as not being in love anymore. Marriage story. We've all seen the trailer. If you've been to the cinema in the last few weeks, you've probably seen the trailer for it. What's it all about? That trailer made it sound a lot like it was like the kids are all right and riotous, but this movie is actually pretty grim. It's by Norm Bombach, who did Greenberg, Frances Ha, you know, Margot at the Wedding, The Squid and the Whale, these kind of New York realist post Woody Allen films. And so it's perfect that it stars a Woody Allen apologist, Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> as the, you know, scrupulous wife who is sick of being amused and decides to leave Adam Driver, who plays her husband in New York, to move to LA and pursue her acting career again separately with full custody of her son, which Laura Dern is going to make sure she gets. Um, one thing that I have a problem with this film is that it's obviously based on Noah Baumbach's marriage and divorce to Jennifer Jason Leigh in 2010, who is the actor, she's in so many movies, but like most famously recently, The Hateful Eight. And he represents Adam Driver as this, you know, playwright in New York who's come from nowhere, who's kind of given Scarlett Johansson this amazing career. But Noel Bombach himself was the son of a famous film critic and novelist who grew up in New York. So it does feel a little bit like, okay, Lena Dunham, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was waiting for you to say the L word. <laughs> it's just like, I think Adam Driver is almost too sympathetic in this divorce story. This marriage story isn't actually about marriage. It's about divorce, I should have said earlier. And I think the takeaway from it is go to counselling. Go to counselling. Don't go to the lawyers. Go to counselling as soon as you can. Yeah, okay. I thought it was really interesting that I didn't feel like the film... I mean, obviously, any film about a divorce between a man and a woman makes you want to side with the woman every single time. But I did feel like the film made me feel like they're both equally responsible for what's happened to them. And yeah, you know me. The mom always wins, in my opinion, in my books. And in this case, Adam Driver sucks as a father. But I also have to feel that like this movie is more about how parents and couples punish each other without realising it by being sucked into marital institutions, like marriage, like divorce, like custody battles. These are all prisons that force couples to make bad decisions and hurt each other. The start of the film is them agreeing, we're not going to have lawyers, we're going to do this nice and amicably. And then they just divulge into classic divorce tropes. And it's like, yeah, institutions suck. And when you get stuck in them, you end up hating people and you end up being toxic. But they have great supporting actors. Like Laura Dern plays this amazing. Ray Liotta plays this really evil... um, Lawyer, and then also, what's his face from the Mighty Boosh? Oh, the, who, the what's zookeeper. His, from, what's his, what's face, his face from, from the Mighty Boosh is in it. The zookeeper plays the judge. Yes. Yeah, he's in it. He's great. And also Merritt Weaver, star Merritt Weaver star is of Unbelievable. She plays like the ramshackle, ramshackle, ramshackle sister, sister who's just like, I don't know what to do. Anyway, let's just stop because we're getting too performative. Let's talk about We them. loved it. But on um, final word, yeah. um, is it one word review? Yeah, in but a word. Marriage we, story. In a word, marriage story. But instead of in a word, which one are you? Which one am I? Obviously, I'm Adam Driver. I think we're both Adam Driver. Oh, reveals. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to a documentary about a clown. Yeah. Reviewed by Ange. Hey, Winkles, I need you to come.
and get these kids? Yeah, I got a child that's supposed to be 30 bucks come scare them. I found out about Wrinkles through a news story. Meet Southwest Florida's Wrinkles the Clown. Hi, Wrinkles. I'm a reporter at the Washington Post. A reporter Post. at the Naples Daily News. I've just seen your story blow up online. You can call him. He'll scare people for you. No, you've reached Wrinkles the Clown. <laughs> <laughs> You're scared of little people that can't defend themselves. Oh, it sounds awful. What yeah. is that? <laughs> well, let me tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> The villainous clown, Wrinkles, is basically a jump scare for hire, a contractor paid by parents to lurk in, in like their backyards and just spook their kids and spook children. For funny YouTube purposes? For or... any kind of reason. But as Wrinkles, the clown in the documentary Wrinkles the Clown, says, our imagination takes the tiniest piece of information and twists it into our fears. And that's kind of what the documentary does as well, but only for a little bit. It then gives everything away and you're left feeling like Wrinkles went from being performance art to performance stunt to performance moment to performance dragging on and on and on and has no shelf life. Because, okay, bear with me, y'all. I'm going to talk etymology, so just bear with me. Documentaries are like thrillers. Once you see them and know their limits and you know their scares and how they work on you, they kind of vanish from your memory. And how much can a documentary stick with you? I get bored, for one, when I know something and when I'm being explained something and I understand it immediately. So to have an 80-minute film telling me something is the ultimate way to be forgotten. It's like getting an Oscar nomination, basically a way to make yourself irrelevant going into the future. And that's why Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch are so good, because they have mystery. That is all I have to say. Jen, what do you think of Wrinkles the Clown? I'm surprised you didn't like it more because it's all set in the Deep South and everyone has amazing scary accents. Mm, I did like that element of it. The setting was amazing, but it's such a documentary. They do bring up a reason for him being the clown, being the fact that he doesn't want to play golf around three to four times. You know, the fact that he doesn't want to play golf and he lives in Florida is like a huge reason for him wanting to become a clown and scare children. Yeah, they actually come up with like a pretty crazy backstory that is uh, has lots of oomph to it. But this, to me, was like Wrinkles revealing his backstory. It's like the how-to-be-Wrinkles that loses a bit of magic. Okay, the documentary Wrinkles the Clown, we should say as well, it's screening for one day only in Sydney. Friday the 13th, y'all. This Friday, get your tickies. It's only for one night that you can see Wrinkles the Clown. And Do we know what cin- cinema... Event cinemas. Event cinemas. Yeah. What would you give Wrinkles the Clown in a word? Uh, mysteryless. Viral cough. Viral cough. <laughs> Okay, that was two reviews. When we come back, Sydney Spotlight. We're looking at Spotlight on Asia and we have a Dub Pass giveaway. Text in your favourite band films. Movies that you can't see because they were removed from cinemas or music movies. 0409 945 945. Ida by Ozakuma Beats. Melbourne Outfit. You're listening to FBI 94.5 on mornings. What's happening? Sydney Spotlight. I'm joined by Jen and Andre, your film lords of movies, movies, movies today. And for Sydney Spotlight, we are now joined by William Swin. Thanks for coming in. Hi, guys. Now, you are setting up for Spotlight on Asia, a distribution of Asian indie-ish films that's coming to Sydney, uh, a movie series happening at Event Cinemas. And one of the films that you are bringing to us, to our screens, is uh, Mishima, 
A Life in Four Chapters. Now, this film was banned in Japan, which is why we're asking you today what banned films you've seen, even though you weren't supposed to. Clockwork Orange was another one that came in in the text line. And you can keep your texts coming in in order to win a double pass to go see Mishima. But first of all, William, please tell us why this film was banned in Japan. I'd love to. Thank you for having me on. So, to understand why this film was banned in Japan, you have to understand who Yukio Mishima was. So, Yukio Mishima is one of the most infamous writers the world has ever known, and he was also one of the most prolific in Japan, as well as the rest of the world. So, he wrote some 94 novels in his lifetime. He wrote like 30 plays. Um, he was an action movie star. He was a bodybuilder. He was also an openly gay man in the 1960s, early 1960s in Japan as well. Um, he was the most connected man in Japan. He knew the emperor. He knew the he knew the royal family. He knew the generals. He knew the politicians. Everybody knew who he was. He knew Paul Schrader. He knew Paul Schrader. Apparently, apparently, you know, everybody knew who he was. But then he shocked the world when he did his final act. Um, and this is what the film is really about. It's about why he did what he did. What's the final act? His final act is he is in recorded history the last man ever to have committed harakiri. What's harakiri? Harakiri <laughs> is um, a very old and one of the most traditional forms of ritual suicide. Wow. Whoa. Samurai ritual suicide. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. I'm familiar now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he was the last man ever to have committed that act in a very strange scenario. And um, they have a love-hate relationship with him. You know, they love what he did for, with literary. Uh, his, his literary works are amazing. Um, he did so much for it. He was a kendo champion at one stage. He advocated strongly for Japanese culture. Um, so much to the point that he did this strange final act. And so his name is uh, Yukio Mishima. Correct. And you can look him up if you're interested to find out more about his life. Or you can go along and see this biopic about his mm. life, which sort of blurs fact and fiction. And it's made by Paul Schrader. Fillmore, do you be better at explaining who that filmmaker is? Oh, la, la. Who isn't Paul Schrader? Paul Schrader is like the most name-dropped person in film culture. He wrote Taxi Driver, which is Martin Scorsese's famous movie. And most recent, last a few years ago, he, re- he made First Reformed, which was kind of his like comeback movie, and it did pretty well. But Jen, how would you describe Paul Schrader? I guess Paul Schrader is a deeply spiritual man now that he's older, but he was probably a deeply, you know, nihilistic man when he was making younger films and yeah. was definitely part of this wave of, you know, intellectuals and filmmakers and punks that were, you know, having a lot of coke and sleeping with a lot of women and, like, writing a lot of crazy nihilistic stuff back in the day. Why would, do you think he was drawn to Mishima? You know what? Uh, that, that's a very good question. Because you just answered it just then, I think. Yeah, it? yeah. I mean, I think all of his, a lot of his protagonists are very similar. And I think Mishima was one of, like, the ultimate epitome of what he tried to capture, you know? Uh, Paul Schrader goes down on record to say that Mishima is his proudest film that he'd ever directed. As a writer, it's Taxi Driver, but as a director, it's Mishima Life um, in Four Chapters. Can you say, like, I think you might have answered this, but, like, why specifically did they say they banned it? Okay, well, uh, so George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola, executive producers, just think about that for a second. Like, what? Where does this film come from? You know? Um, And so it was a Japanese-American co-production, and in Japan they funded the film a lot with the studios. But when the film came out, the wife of Yuki Mishimi, who was very protective of his literary works, um, chucked up a furor. And because she's so well-connected, all of the high-ranking politicians and royalty and things were like, whoa, okay, we can't touch this. And the Japanese productions to this day 
claim that they never funded this film. Wow. Oh. Thanks, Chris Jenner. <laughs> That's a bit of a... Oh, my God. Andre. Well, the <laughs> film is, is showing uh, this week... Tickets are $15. Now, it's happening as a part as of uh, Spotlight on Asia. Can That's you tell right. us about what this film series is trying to do and bring to Sydney? Absolutely. So uh, so we're Half Symbolic Films. We're a boutique distribution business. Um, but we're enthusiasts. We love films. And we're advocating strongly for cinema and people to go to the cinema. And so the Spotlight on Asia series is a string of an eclectic mix of strange films that have sort of like slipped under the radar. And we're bringing them to Sydney, sort of create this little section of what contemporary Asia is like. And um, we're very excited to have it. Now, this series is going to run all the way through till May 2020. So plenty of opportunities to get along to Spotlight on Asia. However, we do have tickets to Mishima. The film we've been talking about, A Life in Four Chapters. And if you want to go along and see it, a double pass we have to give away to one FBI supporter. Just text in your favourite band movie or a movie that you've watched that you probably weren't supposed to or someone told you you weren't allowed to see. The text line is 0409 945 945. You must be an FBI supporter to win that double pass and we'll be announcing our winners in the next 15 minutes. Thank you so much, William Soons, for coming in to tell us about this movie and Spotlight on Asia as well. Thanks, guys. Hope to see you there. Thank you so much for coming in. I can't wait to see the film about his wife and uh, her side of the story. You're going to make it, Jen, I think. <laughs> you're going to make that film. <laughs> this podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.